There are very few things that investors can do that are free. But what about a podcast that delivers educational content on investing, saving strategies, financial planning, topical items of interest, and maybe even the odd wacky topic? Welcome to Free Lunch. Hosted by Greg Kramitsky and Colin Andrews of the CM Group at CIBC Wood Gundy, Free Lunch will bring listeners the firm's vast knowledge and experience in dealing with uncertainty to help clients achieve their vision through a deep understanding of what is important to them that requires planning, money, and time. Learn more and subscribe today at markets-work.com. Welcome back to the Free Lunch with Greg and Colin. And Greg, last week we started this mini-series on retirement and lifestyle funding. We did. It was a fun one. We talked about what we would do if we had a million dollars as part of the discussion. And the reason we started this is that many people view the topic as a mathematical equation, as in I need X to retire to generate Y in income. And this is true, but retirement planning and retirement funding are two different things. And people kind of forget that sometimes, don't they? They do. And again, too often we just talk about the numbers. And as we've talked about last time, and we'll be talking a lot about today, it's more than numbers. Exactly. Numbers are important, but they're not the only thing. Yeah, there is math to it, but there's also what kind of life do you want to live? So sometimes people ask us how much money they need to retire. Well, actually, I get that question a lot. And the answer is, it depends. It depends on how much you plan on spending. What's your burn rate for the next 10, 20, 30 plus years in some cases? I mean, anybody can pretty much retire in air quotes at any age if they adjust their lifestyle expectations. Yeah, you hear that a lot. A lot of people will say, what's your number? And the number is always, what's that number that once you have that much money, then you'll be able to retire? And again, it's totally different for every person you talk to. Well, and as we talked about last week, some people think the number's, I don't know, a million dollars, but we'd spend some time talking about an 18-year-old getting a million dollars is different than a 60-year-old getting a million dollars. Exactly. So we also looked at the six reasons to retire. We asked that survey question about what people would do with extra money and finished the episode with five things that the dying regret the most which is a bit morbid, but today we're going to carry on with a conversation focused on all things from a lifestyle aspect about retirement. And next episode, we're going to get more into the funding aspect. We talk about retirement. Technically, it's used to refer to an event. So it could be like, I don't know, the day you leave your job or hand over the reins of your business to the next in line. It's not always the case of being pushed off the demographic cliff. Your company forces you to retire by the age of 58, for example. That does happen, but You might be forced into it earlier than you thought when you were retrenched. Alternatively, you may have accumulated sufficient funds to retire early. So whatever the reason, retirement is not a number, as we talked about, the amount of funds you've accumulated. It's not an age. You could retire anytime. And it's not an event. It's the starting of a new phase in your life. What's this? This song's going to hit a little close to home for me, I'm afraid. (laughs) There's the hair again. (laughs) Kind of a good retirement song, right? It is. Sing it, Greg, sing it. That wouldn't be fair to our listeners. (laughs) Well, we just wanted to play that little clip. As we found last week, having a little music was kind of fun. Exactly. And for all of the youngsters out there, that group that played that song was a group called the Beatles. What? You, you may have heard of, but... 
wasn't that a movie that just came out a while ago? Exactly. So listen, Canadians are living longer. At age 65, the average lifespan of Canadian men and women is 85 and 87 respectively. So we're living longer. The majority of us are not working through retirement. Actually, we're retiring early. And the average retirement age in Canada is 64. The Beatles called it. Exactly. Number three, we're not on track. Right now, four in 10 Canadians, 40% over 55, say they're falling short in their savings for retirement, and almost half don't have a financial plan. That's something we talk a lot about on this podcast, and we're going to certainly try to make sure that everyone we deal with does have a financial plan. And lastly, COVID-19 is having an impact. About one of four Canadians have been unable to contribute to retirement savings, and one-third say they'll retire later than planned as a result of COVID-19. That just goes to show the disruption of a global economic shutdown because of a global pandemic. Exactly. So let's talk retirement, and the name of this podcast is A Random Walk Through Retirement. So let's talk about some general points on retirement. And one of the key ones, I think, is, as we've talked about last time, is retirement is a transition. It's not a destination. We hear a lot of people talk about when they retire, they're going to do this or that. And then they sort of see retirement as a utopia. And the likelihood is that retirement is just another chapter in your life, therefore a transition, not a final destination. In fact, the Japanese refer to retirement as your second life, a time to be the best you and focus on things that bring you happiness or inner peace. That sounds pretty good. It does sound good. Here's another random point, but when you think about it, your retirement is going to be different from your parents' retirement, and it very likely will be different from your friend's retirement because it is a very personal decision and a personal choice and a personal lifestyle. And it should be about who you are, not what you're going to do. So I think there's maybe a confusion with things like bucket lists. And certainly a lot of people have bucket list items when they retire, which are, okay, well, I've always wanted to see Tuscany. That's the classic. I've always wanted to. You mean like Tuscany, Italy, not Tuscany, Northwest Calgary. No, I was thinking Northwest Calgary. (laughs) I've never been to the North. But no, lots of people have their bucket list items things they want to do or accomplish. But that's not exactly a retirement lifestyle. And lifestyle is more about how you live, what's important to you on a day-to-day basis. Unless you're going to spend 52 weeks a year traveling, then you need to know what happens in the intervals. And so it's really about who you are and not what you're going to do. So it gives you the opportunity. You can be whatever the best you is, free from some of the pushes and pulls of daily life and daily work. And I like this saying, retirement does not have to be when you stop working. It can simply be the day that you can stop working. And I think there's a freedom to that. Barry Lavallee, who who we mentioned last time, is a retirement expert. He says, when you wake up one morning and decide that from this day forward, you can do what you want, when you want, and how you want, you're retired. And in fact, you might still be working. But if you feel that way, if you can say that, you probably are retired. And again, since it's a transition, It's important to plan for that transition, not just financially, but mentally. Yeah, exactly. Now, financially, the conversation must be that the strategies that were used to get you to your financial freedom or your second life, or I guess, as you said, the Japanese term, will not be the same as you will use in retirement. And there's this guy, Daryl Diamond. He wrote a book called Your Retirement Income Blueprint. And he had a great analogy in the book in that he said, in the past, people have used the analogy of a golf game to describe life. The front nine was your working years and the back nine was your retirement years. You've heard that analogy before. Yeah, you've been. But in fact, it's very different than that. 
it's that it's more like you play the front nine and then you hit the clubhouse, grab a quick snack, and then walk on to an ice rink for a hockey game for the back nine. So the game's changed. In order to get ready for that new chapter in life, you have to be prepared for this transition. You need a plan. It's not the same as playing nine holes than playing nine holes. Right on. So you have to be prepared to move from golf to hockey or vice versa. And I know that's a sports analogy, but just meant to frame it, that there's new tools and strategies that are required. And if you do not know that there's going to be a change in the game, you're going to have a tough time adjusting. And many retirees have a hard time adjusting to this new so-called freedom as they've not thought about it as a different life. So even if they have enough money, they may or may not be mentally prepared for that change in the game. I think about that for myself because on weekend mornings, given that I'm still working, weekend mornings, you kind of get out of bed later, possibly wander around, take a little time, have a leisurely breakfast and a cup of coffee, catch up on the news, and don't really get going until 10, 10.30 in the morning. And that's great to do on weekends because it's a change. If every day is like that, I'm not sure that for me, I would want to have that kind of an unstructured day. And so I think I would have a difficult time, even these days, taking a two-week or a three-week holiday. The change is enjoyable, but it's a shock to the system. Don't you find that like when you're on a holiday, sometimes you lose track of days? Isn't it Tuesday today? And there's yeah. a, No, it's actually like Thursday. <laughs> exactly. And I think for a lot of people in retirement that when they approach it that way, sometimes they don't really know the days blend together. And that may be great for some people and for others, it may cause them a lot of stress and anxiety. Well, so perspectives is reality is a saying I've heard a lot these days. So whenever somebody has a perspective on something, it's, that's their reality. In retirement, we could talk about how this relates to your values. What's your purpose? What are your core values? Be it truth, kindness, respect, safety, friendship, faith, whatever those values are, what do they mean to you? And your values will drive your purpose. So it actually will create your perspective. So purpose is something we deal with in working life, and a lot of us use our job as our purpose. And I've been guilty of this in the past that, you know, when you're a younger person, be it male or female, and you're starting off in your career, and you go to a cocktail party. You remember going to parties, Greg? I do. I Pre-COVID? Do. Yeah, I used to enjoy those. Yeah, like pre-Zoom. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and what's the one question when you're introduced to somebody, somebody say, what's the first question they always ask you? Hey, what do you do? Yeah. And I remember... As a 30-some-year-old being at a cocktail party, and that question goes around the room, and I went up to somebody I didn't know, and I said, hey, how are you? And he looked at me, and he said, so what do you do for fun? And I thought, what a weird question. Just ask me what I do for a living like everybody else. But in hindsight, looking back at it, what a great question that person asked. I just wasn't there mentally to answer it when he asked it. Exactly. So Barry Lavallee talks a lot about this and Barry gets referenced a lot in retirement planning because he is a retirement guru, as you mentioned, but finding what makes you happy in order to bring that to your everyday life. So we already talked about golf and I remember being at a presentation with Barry and he said, who here is going to golf during retirement? And a bunch of people put up their hands and and then he said, okay, so you live in Calgary, you can only golf for four months a year. And you most likely can't golf every day. So what are you going to do for the other eight months a year? Good question. Or the fact that you can't play golf 24 hours a day. And really the whole point was to start thinking about, well, what's your purpose? What are you going to do with your time? And thinking about purpose and your core values, 
before that retirement transition, it's a very important thing to do. It will help you adjust to a new life, and that should be part of planning. Right on. Got another song for you here, just for fun. It's a retirement song, Greg. You know it because you missed it. Was this a top 20? Top 20 song? Well, I've worked most of no. my life, day in and day out. But I'm ready for retirement, there's no question or doubt. There's people all around me, I know that I will miss. But I'm really looking forward to some nice retirement bliss. I want to shout now. That's pretty good. <laughs> We won't play the whole song. We'll ruin it for everybody. Retirement bliss. That should be our goal. Exactly. So we looked at views from retirement planning experts. And one of them, a guy named, who I don't know, George Kinder of Kinder Institute of Life Planning. And his views on retirement were very interesting. He asked some questions to get people thinking about retirement. One question was, when does a housewife or house husband retire? <laughs> That's kind of a good question. It is. Right? Yeah. When do you retire from being a parent? I got to tell you, recently I've been wanting to retire from being a parent, <laughs> but there's not really a retirement to that. No, that's right. And when do you retire from being the best person that you can be? So in his construct, what George Kinder talked about is retirement is a concept that comes out of our corporate and industrial structure, where we are working a job until we become redundant to them. That's kind of harsh, but... Well, that's right. And that's certainly from the corporate standpoint. And when we talked about things like forced retirement or mandatory retirement at age 65 or whatever, that is kind of forced. But he asks good question. Do you retire from being a parent? Even if you wanted to, most of us won't ever. And so that becomes part of your post-working life or continues to be part of your post-working life as it was while working. Exactly. Now, Barry LaValle, again, of the Retirement Lifestyle Center, talked about how, and you mentioned this earlier, retirement is not a destination. But people look at retirement like it's a deliverance, like the pot at the end of the rainbow, and very quickly become disillusioned with that notion. And many people believe that retirement is a new life, a third age, the longest life stage. That's interesting because really? you hear about people that retire early, let's say at 55, they might have 40 years ahead of them. That's right. So in reality, it's a multi-phase journey, and each phase has its own opportunities and challenges and are marked by issues relating to health, death, travel, leisure, marriage of children, birth of grandchildren, so on and so forth. So none of that has anything to do with how much money do I need to retire? So his advice is to remove the focus on money and start thinking about life issues. Start looking at retirement from an emotional perspective. Your life still has to have meaning, so figure out what your value in life is before you retire as it's the opportunity to spend time on things that you love doing and are already doing, but you can't golf every day, as we mentioned. So you got to find some other things. Yeah, right on. And some other retirement planning experts, Dan Kemp of Morningstar Investment Management Retirement. And the next couple focus a little bit more somewhat on the financial side of it, not strictly, not around the question of how much you need to earn or save for retirement, but just how the finances factor in as you retire. So he says, seldom do people stop work and start drawing a pension. So individuals have to plan through retirement, not just plan for retirement. So remember, when we're talking about post-retirement pot, it really comes from the pre-retirement pot. So again, when he talks about planning through retirement, you have to think about, okay, how does this all carry forward? I can't sort of do my planning. Okay, I'm planning up to the date of retirement. And then I start my planning from there on. It's got to be part of the process. 
well in advance of when you actually hit that point. So Alison Schrager is with Lifecycle Partners and talks about, well, when you think of retirement, what vision comes to mind? We've talked about vision a little bit. And again, identifying, well, the hardest thing is deciding what to do when you quit working. So that vision is really the place you can start when it helps you define a roadmap. So getting into the financial side, she says, well, saving is easy. You divert some of your salary into an investment account, hope that the investments work well, but if they don't pan out, you've got time and income that you can keep adding to it and make up for the difference, whatever the losses. Less room for error after you retire. And so if you invest poorly or spend too much, there's no way to replenish that pot. And again, it comes down to retirees or pre-retirees figuring out how much they need to spend and how much they can spend. And remember that your spending categories change in retirement. So you need to cover health expenses. In Canada, not so much medical expenses, but certainly pharmaceuticals, life supports, things like that. And retirement expenses change. And we need to plan ahead and see how that's going to be readjusted. Spending more on those areas I talked about, less on work-related things, commuting, clothing, and in my case, parking underground (laughs) at this building. Well, and I think there's a huge misunderstanding of that, that quite often people, as you mentioned, look at retirement like, okay, I'm going to hit this date, this utopia date, or this date that will bring me utopia. Maybe that's the better way of saying it, but, and then I'm good. But there's a misunderstanding that just because you retire doesn't mean you don't stop spending money. You just, exactly. You just spend it in different areas, as you talked about. Well, that's right. remember when I started in this business a long time ago, but for a long time that I have been in this business, a lot of people would make some assumptions about, oh, well, you spend about 70% of your pre-retirement income in retirement. And that may or may not be true. It really depends on that vision and how that vision plays out. And if you are one of the people that have been saving up and have a couple dozen bucket list items, you could easily spend what you spent during your working years. Or what if you have adult children that you're going to help with a down payment on a house or something like that? Like that wasn't something you were doing maybe during your working years, but exactly, big cost. Sorry, does that one hit close to home? Yeah, that's (laughs) right. Don't touch a nerve there. Kathleen Coxwell of New Retirement, she says, once upon a time, long, long ago, We set a date and planned a big retirement party. You went to work one day and then never again. That still happens probably, but these days there's more and more of us that have a totally different perspective on what a retirement date is. So a lot of retirees transition into retirement either by going part-time for a few years or finding a retirement job after you leave the pre-retirement job. And some people, as we talked about, make the assumption that you need to maintain lifelong spending habits when you retire. It could be true. But again, people redefine themselves in retirement and they can dramatically reduce their spending or they could increase it. The key thing is we don't need to keep the status quo. So when we retire, you need to spend to be comfortable while working and raising children. And that may be different than what you need to spend when you're retired. And if you retire somewhere less expensive than you live now, then how much you have saved could be a different number. So again, the retirement lifestyle is really what defines the future. It's a mindset. It's a process. It's a goal. And it might help to take advantage of the services of professionals. We strongly believe that people should talk to not only us when it comes to figuring out how to fund their lifestyle goals, but talk to people that can help define those lifestyle goals as well. Well, and I would say, yeah, actually, if you're in a relationship, it's probably pretty important to discuss your goals with your partner's goals and because they might not be in alignment, right? Well, that's right. 
when a married couple or a couple have had very different lifestyles during the working years, trying to merge those into one lifestyle post-retirement might take some negotiation. <laughs> well, and we had a former member of our group who retired years ago. won't mention any names, but when he retired, his wife got a job. <laughs> <laughs> what does that tell you? <laughs> well, I'm not going to pass any judgment, but <laughs> maybe they weren't aligned in what retirement was exactly. all about. But So there were two recent surveys I want to quote, one Canadian and one American, and they demonstrate a gulf in perspective between aging parents and their adult children. So the Canadian survey was done by Ipsos Reid and Bayshore Home Health focused on differences of perspective between adult children and their aging parents. Interesting. The American survey was done by the Pew Research Center with input from a sample of about 3,000 adults with perceptions about health and aging and how those relate. And there were numerous areas where discrepancies in perception were apparent. Now remember, we talked about perception was your reality. That's right. So there's discrepancies in the perception. So in the Canadian version, 90% of boomers, hey, boomer, 90% of boomers. You're talking to me? <laughs> admitted that they wished their parents would get regular health checkups and report any issues. Yet fewer than half of seniors believe that their children worry about their state of health. So there's the perception is a different reality for each cohort. About four in 10 or 40% of adult children of aging parents believe that their parent needs help with grocery shopping, companionship, and driving. Well, only 6% of seniors admitted that they needed help in those areas. That's quite a gap. That's a huge gap. One in 10 adult children, so 10%. See how I do that math quite easily in my Pretty head? Pretty good. Yeah. yeah, you're good with numbers. Two in 10 is 20%, Greg. But in this case, it's only 10% of the survey thought their parents had put themselves on a short list for retirement home or long-term care. But the actual figure was closer to 3%, which is a pretty low number. That is a low number, yeah. Like, you don't need to be a mathematician to know that 3% is a small number. Exactly. The American survey showed that many of the perceived benefits of aging, for example, more time to relax, time with family, time to travel, were in fact less of a reality than what was hoped for. So in the survey, 87% of people aged 18 to 64 thought that retirement would give them more time for hobbies and interests, while only 65% of retirees reported this to be true. And I've heard this a lot from retirees that, again, a misunderstanding that there's all this free time when you retire, but it's the time just gets filled with other things. In the survey, 86% think retirement will afford them more time with family, but only 70% find this to be true. And 77% look forward to more time to travel when actually only 52% of retirees say that that's the reality. That's an interesting one because certainly when you talk about what does your retirement look like? Travel has got a far and away one of the major goals that people have. There are some typical ones, travel, time with family and friends, etc. But it's interesting that only half of retirees admit that that actually worked out for them. Well, and I don't know if it's just this common thing that people think they're supposed to do. When I retire, I should travel. And I remember in that same presentation with Barry LaValle when he talked about, well, So he asked the golf question and then he asked the travel question. Who here is going to travel in retirement? Remember, you were at this presentation. Absolutely, yeah. And let's say half the people put up their hands. His follow-up question was, well, how much travel do you do now? Why do you think you're going to travel more in the future just because you're retired? No, exactly. 
And again, thinking personally, I am not one of those people myself that has this list of places that I've always wanted to see. I have a few, probably like most people, I'd like to get to Australia, for example. Too far a flight. It's a long flight. You got to make it a long trip. So I would like to see that. But it's not like I have a list of 30 countries I'd like to see. And my wife, Ellen, has some very specific things which are related to it would be great to see the Galapagos or it'd be great to go to Churchill and see the polar bears because here you're seeing things that, in all honesty, may not be around to be seen in the future. And so when you think about your own retirement, you're just a youngster, of course, so yours may be way, way away. But What do you think of? How do your goals fit into sort of this group? I get worried because my goals would be the same as those goals of those people that attended that presentation. I mean, I think of things like golf and travel, but again, we live in a climate that isn't conducive to golfing that much. And really, how much do you really want to do of that? Exactly. So yeah, I'm actively trying to fill my bucket list of hobbies, of things to do. But then even as you fill them, there might be health issues that come up. So even if you enjoy, I don't know, mountain biking or road biking now, it doesn't mean at 70, I might not be able to do that. That's right. I have things like skiing that I really love to do, but my knees have other ideas. Your knees are just looking at apres-ski, isn't it apres-ski? Apres-ski, that's right. Yeah, that's right. It's like the the 19th hole on the golf course, right? (laughs) So I think the thing is, and next time we're going to be talking about more of the retirement funding, but I think the key thing is that for everyone that we want to encourage them to define their retirement and everyone's as individual and decide how you want to do it and do it. Exactly. One more song for you. Do it like Frank says. Like Frank, Yeah. (laughs) And now the end is near. This isn't a death song. Oh, that sounds a little depressing. No, no. It's going to get better, Greg. Maybe this refers to the end of his career as a singer. I think it was, actually. I'll state my case, of which I'm certain. I like this part coming up. A life that's full I traveled each and every highway Bring it home, Frank. (laughs) Much more than this I did it my way There it is, Retirement Planning by Frank Sinatra. Yeah, do it your way. Do things that are important to you that you want to do. Don't plan on starting them when you're 80. Plan on starting them now. Last week, we talked about a book. We talked about the one-page financial plan by Carl Richards to try to get people thinking about planning for the future. We said we were going to mention another book for this week. And do you remember what book it was? I do indeed. I read it. It's got to be 10 years ago, possibly, that I first read it called Younger Next Year. And it talks about how to physically prepare for the next chapter. It's the next third, he called it. It's an awesome book. It talks about, really, what do you need to do? You know, because as we talk about, when you survey pre-retirees, they'll say, what's the most important thing? And it's usually financial, having enough money to be able to retire. And when you survey retirees, what's the most important thing? It's usually their health. And so this book talks about how men and women can accept the normal process of aging, but how they can work to mitigate that reverse course, even in some cases, and by living healthy and being younger next year, which I think is a great goal. 
Exactly. Now, we should mention that's a sort of a male-specific book, and then they came out with a female-specific exactly. version, right? Yeah, that's and, right. So there's two separate books. Uh, and there's some workbooks that you can order too. Now, Greg, are we promoting this book for people to read? Yes, we are. We think it's a great book. Of course. Of course we are. <laughs> are we promoting any specific stock on this show? Never. We never do that. No, but read a book. Exactly. Well, listen, anything to wrap it up with for the listeners today, Greg? I think if anything, the key takeaway from today and and last episode was just retirement isn't a destination. And you got to think about what does your life look like? What are you going to do? How are you going to spend your days? How are you going to avoid those regrets that people have on their deathbeds, things that they wish they had done? Think about those now and make sure that you include it in your plan. And beyond that, once you figure that out, then we can work on the financial, the retirement funding aspect of things. Did you ever read or watch The Secret? I did not. I'm not here to promote the book or anything, but there was something that came out of it that always resonated with me. It was to create a vision board of things that you want your life to include at some point. So I think at a minimum, if somebody just did that, sat down and thought, What's important to me that I want to accomplish? It requires planning money and time in my life and just write it out. It's a great idea. Well, okay. Why not? Let's end it there. Okay. Well, then next time, as you said, we're talking about retirement fundings. We'll get into more of the nuts and bolts of it, but I hope you enjoyed this episode. Right on. We'll see you next time. All right. Next time. Thank you for listening to the Free Lunch Podcast hosted by the CM Group at CIBC Wood Gundy. To subscribe to this podcast to get more realistic insight on investing or to connect with one of our talented partners, please head on over to markets-work.com. We'll see you next time on the Free Lunch Podcast. The CIBC logo and CIBC Private Wealth Management are registered trademarks of CIBC. If you are currently a CIBC Wood Gundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Private Wealth Management consists of services provided by CIBC and certain of its subsidiaries, including CIBC Wood Gundy, a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc. CIBC Private Wealth Management is a registered trademark of CIBC used under license. Wood Gundy is a registered trademark of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Colin Andrews and Greg Kraminski are investment advisors with CIBC Wood Gundy. This information, including any opinion, is based on various sources believed to be reliable, but its accuracy cannot be guaranteed and is subject to change. CIBC and CIBC World Markets, Inc., their affiliates, directors, officers, and employees may buy, sell, or hold a position in securities of a company mentioned herein, its affiliates or subsidiaries, and may also perform financial advisory services, investment banking or other services for, or have lending or other credit relationships with the same. CIBC World Markets, Inc. and its representatives will receive sales commissions and or a spread between bid and ask prices if you purchase, sell, or hold the securities referred to above. CIBC World Markets, Inc. 2020.